there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, episode three, diving into the four-month sleep regression. Y'all, this is one that I hear so many questions about, and I am so excited to share with you why is there a regression, how to get through it, and come to the other side with a baby who knows some independent sleep skills. So hands up if you're ready to go and learn more about the four-month sleep regression. Honestly, I'm finding that even my newborn parents are just cringing. They are holding on tight, anxious for this four-month time. They hear about it from their friends. They hear about it from the emails and checkups that they get from uh, online sources. And then when I actually work with six- and eight-month-old parents, they're sharing things about how awful the four-month regression was, and they totally thought it was a phase. So I am here for both ends of the spectrum. I'm here for you newborn parents who are looking to that four-month mark with fear, and I'm also here for you eight-month parents that are thinking, um, hello, wasn't this supposed to get better, not worse? What happened? Most of all, I'm here for those parents that are the four-month-olds in the thick of it. I want to help you get some strategies and get through this so we can come to the other side well. Before we dive in, I would so appreciate a review and a rating of this podcast. Honestly, y'all, it helps me reach more parents who are struggling with a four-month sleep regression, and I would really be honored if you would take just a moment, head over to iTunes, and give me a rating and a review so that this podcast can reach the masses. All right, so let's dive into what in the world is a four-month regression. Like, why do we have to experience this? So often, again, I hear the cries from the newborn parents really anxious about this because perhaps they've had a great time with their zero to three-month-old and they know that something's about to change. Or you're in the middle of this and you are cringing because you just want your newborn baby back. So y'all, let me just ease your mind. The four-month regression, we can actually flip it around and call it a progression. Your baby is simply growing and thriving and changing. And we can just honestly celebrate this. So fact number one, your baby's sleep their actual cycles, the whole science behind it are changing. So newborns, they had two sleep cycles, REM and non-REM. And when you dive into my newborn course, we're going to learn even more about how amazing these two sleep cycles are. But around four months old, not the day they turn four months, but around this time, a little before, a little after, depending on their due date, this is when we're looking at them actually changing from two sleep cycles to sleep cycles that are the ones that they'll have the rest of their life. They're the same sleep cycles that you and I have. And so what's happening is they're going from newborn sleep cycles to their forever grown-up sleep cycles, and things are different. No longer can you do the same things that were working for newborns. So often I'm finding things like holding them to sleep is not working anymore. Using pacifiers might not be working anymore. Using the rock and play like we talked about in episode two that you might be hiding from me, but honestly, that's not even working anymore. And so people are in an uproar at four months old wondering what happened to my baby who used to sleep. Y'all, it's because they're growing and changing. So let's celebrate that. And today we're going to walk into how you can actually solve these things. The second thing happening at four months old are things like their development changes. So learning how to roll from back to belly, belly to back, those really amazing skills that actually lend themselves to having a great self-soother. 
The other thing we're looking at as far as development is the moral reflex. So that startle reflex where they are in their sleep and they just kind of jolt around and that makes them feel like they're falling. And so that easily wakes them up. And so honestly, we are going to dive into sleep sacks and how and what I recommend. And I've got a free guide for you to help you navigate this because if you didn't realize it, Y'all, there are so many sleep sacks and so many options, and I like to be able to give you a lowdown and really my rating on what I like best and what I'd like you to avoid and what I'd like you to definitely look into. So if you head on over to littlezsleep.com slash sleep sack, you will find my rating guide ready to download so that you can realize and understand what's the best fit for your baby. So that moral reflex and rolling from back to belly and belly to back, these are two developmental pieces that are happening. Now, circumstantially, I'm finding that sometimes at four months old, this is when the transition happens into a daycare setting or a sitter setting, and perhaps mom is going back to work, and there's just some differences in the home environment. And along with this, we sometimes find that mom and dad are ready to get baby into their own room. So often at four months old, even right now with one of my clients, they joke that the nursery is like this museum for four months. It's just been perfectly untouched. (laughs) It looks the same as it did when they brought all the goods home from their baby shower. And so now at four months old, they're thinking, okay, maybe it's time to get into that room. And again, this all depends on your family flow and what's going on circumstantially. However, these are just some of the factors that go along with the four-month regression. All of this growth and all of this change, it seems overwhelming. But my job here today is help you navigate these things with four key action points and how to help your baby get some solid sleep independently. All right, let's dive into these action steps. Number one, let's get them out of the swaddle and into a sleep sack. So I already told you I've got this amazing sleep sack rating guide that will help you understand the ins and outs of all the products because you can definitely get lost on an Amazon search. So I want you to go to littlezsleep.com slash sleep sack and get the lowdown on all of these items. And some of them are amazing and I totally love them. And there are a few that I really want you to avoid. And I think you'll be surprised on the age limits of these. So swaddle, I actually love like to get them out by about 10 to 12 weeks old so they can start to manipulate their body. I want them to start utilizing their body like fingers and rolling from belly to back and back to belly and understanding how to manipulate those things. You just can't do that in a swaddle. You're contained. And that's great for newborns, not so great for four-month-olds as they need to learn how to sleep independently. And the first step of learning how to sleep independently is self-soothing. How can you self-soothe if you're rolled up like a burrito? So I really encourage you to start getting your baby out of that swaddle and into a sleep sack. Now, honestly, sometimes parents are avoiding the sleep sack and they're just going straight to PJs. Hey, that is totally fine. If that's where you want to go, do that. However, if your baby is still struggling with that moral reflex, I would suggest a swaddle or one of these products in my guide because it is so helpful. A lot of times babies aren't ready to go straight from swaddle to just PJs. And I want you to know that there are options out there that do help your baby learn how to self-soothe. If you are also in this circumstantial transition from maybe staying at home and going to daycare, this is an excellent time to make sure that daycare can also use the sleep sack for naps. We want to use the same things from naps and nighttime sleep. So it's really helpful to have a consistent idea of sleep sacks from naps and nights, even when they're at daycare. The sleep sack is also part of bedtime routine. And so where you have always been doing the swaddle, well, now we're going to replace that for the sleep sack. I received 
received a really cute video of a current client the other night having her bottle all wrapped up in her PJs and her sleep sack, and they made this a part of the routine. Some people even said that their baby starts to rub their eyes the moment they put that sleep sack on because it's such a powerful cue. So I'm all about having the sleep sack for every single aspect of sleep so that really honestly, it's just this cue that it's time for sleep. All right, the second thing I want you to be working on is actually focusing on getting their naps to be in their crib. You probably realize that at this point, it's really hard to transfer your four-month-old from the car to the crib. It's just not going to happen. And so I want you to know, and first of all, just understand, again, their sleep needs are changing. That sleep they had in the car was honestly not the best quality. So I'm thrilled that they are not as eager to take those car naps anymore. When's the last time that you maybe took a nap when you were on a road trip and you slept in the car and woke up feeling refreshed? Oh, uh, never. That's because it's just not possible. (laughs) We don't ever sleep in a car and feel rested and relaxed, right? And we definitely don't feel like we're ready to take on the day. That's the same with your baby. Yes, your baby might sleep in the car seat for a while, but it's not the best quality. We want to get them in their crib for as many naps as possible. I would love for you to start with the very first nap of the day. It's usually the easiest one to get them to lay down for and the easiest and the longest to help them sleep. So I would love for you to start focusing on getting these naps in their crib where it is a firm, flat surface. It's dark. It's controlled with the white noise. And we've got this going strong. So those are really good to look at. Now, y'all, let's be realistic. At four months old, we can have anywhere from four to three naps a day. Do I expect you to be a prisoner to your own home? No, you got to have a life. And so if we can really make a goal of having about half of these in their crib, that would be great. And I really want to preserve these naps as best as possible. We also want to look at the fact that you have got to get out of the house. It's good for your mental health. So please make sure that you are not being a prisoner in your own home, that you can get out and have a nap on the go, just not every single time. Number three is all about awake time. When we focus on your baby's awake time, we are actually going to have and create a really consistent daytime routine and they will be much more willing to self-soothe because you've gotten the nail right on the mark. Here's the deal. Overtiredness is basically hyperactivity. If you didn't realize, it's really hard to get an overtired baby to fall asleep. They've got a second wind, they're fighting naps, and so often we've missed the mark when it comes to getting your baby down at the right time. And while there is no one-size-fits-all, I would suggest finding your baby's sweet spot. This could be anywhere from about an hour and a half to two hours of awake time and then down for a nap all throughout the day. There is no such thing as keeping your baby awake for hours so that they crash for bedtime. Have you tried that? I know, it does not work. And so I really want you to focus in on their awake time so that you can build a solid routine to help them get their naps when they need and also get them down for bed. All of these things from the swaddle to keeping them in their crib for naps as much as possible and keeping their awake time, These three things are so important, and actually they are at the foundation of the work that I do with four-month-old families because we've got to make sure your baby can begin to learn these self-soothing strategies on their own. It's no longer time to depend on mom or dad's arms to get you to sleep, and it's definitely time to kick that rock and play habit, so let's make sure your baby is understanding how to form these self-soothing strategies. All right, bonus number four. This is probably my favorite, and it might feel like it's a little disjointed from sleep sacks, awake times, and cribs, 
but it actually has everything to do with creating an independent sleeper. Number four, I want you to get dad more involved with baby. Did you get really excited that I just said that? Please share this with your partner. I want them to know it's time for them to become more involved. They've probably been waiting in the background. And honestly, I find so often that dads are waiting and they're willing and they're so ready to be a part. And usually it's just us. And I say us because I struggle with this too, who have been solely in control. And we've got that mom's instinct. We know exactly what's going on and when to do it. And sometimes we just decide, you know what? I'm gonna hold the reins because it's just easier. But the reason that I want dad to get involved is because I want your baby to understand and realize, guess what? Mom and dad are a team. I don't just have to rely on mom to go to sleep. There's, in fact, a unit here that helps me. And that's super important when you're building your baby's independent sleep habits. The two places I love to get dad involved are bath and story. One of the biggest honors that I get to see is watching families do a completely new bedtime routine when I enter the picture. And it's really special to watch dad become more part of this process because baby starts to put it together that mom and dad are a team. They're in this together and we don't just have to rely on mom. In fact, it gets a lot easier when dad's involved because guess what? Dad is not the nursing option. Mom, if you've been nursing for four months so far, guess what? Baby knows. They know that you are the one that gets them to sleep. So getting dad involved is super helpful. And bath and story time are two wonderful places to get dad plugged in. So I read this article a while ago talking about how dads are actually the better ones to read books. And while I felt a little defensive of this because I am a former elementary teacher, so hello, I should read the book the best. (laughs) Honestly, dads I find, and this article finds, that they just connect things more to the real world. And I started to note this in my own husband, that what happens when dads read books, well, guess what? They start to point out real life situations from the book and what's going on to the world around them, which is really special. So obviously dads have a major part in bedtime routine and bedtime routine is the foundation of your child's sleep. So this is why it's so important to me that you get mom and dad both involved in your baby's bedtime routine so that they understand everyone is here to support them and love them. But guess what? You're in a sleep sack now. You're in your crib and we have been so tuned into your awake time. We're here cheering you on together. So now you can learn some independent sleep habits. All of these four steps together, they work in conjunction. I cannot tell you these things and you do one thing and then the other thing. Honestly, I want you to do all of them together. That's what makes the best success. So there's my action plan for you. I really am excited to hear how things are going for you and your family. Connect with me over on Instagram at littlezsleep. I would love to hear how this new guide is going for your family and share pictures. I would love and be honored to see your sweet little baby in their sleep sack that you have read all about on my guide, littlezsleep.com slash sleep sack. Share your photos with me. I would be so thrilled. Baby pictures are the best. I am so honored that you spent time with me today and I hope that you won't miss an episode. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Sweet dreams. See you next time.